dead than all hope, listeners. You're listening to Radio Grognard, the OSR podcast about stuff, with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya, folks. Old Man Grognard here. Happy Thursday. Hope you're all doing well. Once again, we have another day, more gaming stuff to talk about. And as I said last time, I've got some reviews to do, so I gotta get get reading. And I got more I got a couple more adventures coming in the mail, so they're gonna go in the pile too. I'm starting to get into the review mode again, which is good. Because I'd like to do more videos, do the best quality. I always have a problem with my equipment. I just can't get the quality that I'd like to that I've seen in other videos. Like my friend Heath, who does Serial at Midnight, which is a review of mostly DVDs, Blu-rays, comics, and other things like that. He has, his always look gorgeous. Mine look as good as I can get them. So, I hope, I'm not trying to apologize or anything, but, you know, that's the way it goes. Anyway, I want to talk today about combat maneuvers versus skills and special abilities in other games. And we'll talk about that after this. Okay, before we get into the topic at hand, I have a voicemail from John Allen Larch of the Red Dice Diaries. Go ahead, John. Hey there, Glenn. It's John from the Red Dice Diaries. Just been listening to your Everybody Have Fun Tonight episode. And I've got to say, when you were talking about chatting with your roommates or leaning over the railings and discussing what was going to go on, that brought back some memories to me. I remember we had a period of time where we, me and a few friends, were playing in a game run by a GM. And the game was, let's be charitable and say, not brilliant and not going well and i remember many a time where as a group of players we were like oh we don't want to upset the gm by saying oh your game's a bit rubbish we want to be a bit constructive but how should we best go about sort of framing that because obviously we don't want to upset anyone and i remember uh, as a group of players you know we're still outside of in a cigarette or whatever like leaning over the railings outside the apartment and having what sound like very similar chats to the ones you were having with your roommate anyway n- nothing deep or any further in the message, just sort of leave you a quick one to say that it brought back some memories to me. Love the episode, dude. Keep up the good work. Take care. Catch you soon. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Yeah, I've had talks like that over the years, too. I've <laughs> I've had people have to put my head on straight for me once in a while. And uh, I'm, I'm sure this seems like a common occurrence to some people. I mean, you know, I have to learn somewhere from somebody. So... You know, there's that. Anyway, thanks, thanks, John. I appreciate it. Always, always a delight. Now, what I wanted to talk about, which I'm going to talk about. Okay. Now, in older games, there are little to no skills. I'm talking basic to second edition D&D. Mostly class and level. Other games, well, they do things different ways. But... It was not set up, Gary and Dave did not set it up initially to have a lot of skills. It was more like your adventurers. Yeah, you did something before that, but it's not important. That's why Gary put the secondary secondary professions list in AD&D First Edition and all that other stuff. It was kind of lip service to it. But then when basics started to get into like Beck Me and Rule Cyclopedia, they actually added a skill system, which I thought was pretty good. But... When it gets into like third, fourth, fifth edition, where you have all these choices for every class, 
I long for a simpler time. And here's the crux of it. If you're playing, say, first edition AD&D, and you have a class, say a fighter class or something like that, you really don't have, you have a few special abilities, but, but they're pretty much codified and, you know, this class does this, that class does that, you know, like clerics turn on dead, got that special ability, thieves have these skills, etc., etc., etc. And it always looks like fighters have the least, but fighters do the most damage, so there's that. But anyway, they kind of went later editions, okay, there's proficiencies, then skills, then feats, then all this other stuff. What I like about the earlier editions, and this was driven home by... Uh, by uh, Dungeon Musings, the guy in Dungeon Musings talking about how combat and astonishing swordsmen and sorcerers of Hyperborea work, which is based on first edition. And it seemed a little complicated at first. But once I started understanding it, it didn't seem complicated because there's just a lot of stuff to do. But the thing is, there's a lot of stuff to do for everyone. Yes, it is heavily favored towards the fighter, and the fighter subclasses. But still, there gives you enough characters enough to do aside from that. And it's segmented combat. It's you have phase one, phase two. It's like, you know, the first half of the turn, the second half of the turn. Each side rolls initiative, and then you just you go through melee, missile, magic, and movement. And you have to do one thing. Anyway, but I don't want to. I don't want to get too into detail. But the point is, he went over all the options people have in these phases and in this combat. And I thought, you know, that's kind of hard, all hard to remember. But it's a finite list. That's the thing. I. This is one of the things that's a pet peeve of mine with like third, fourth, and fifth edition. There's just too much stuff to do. Yes, there's a lot of d to do in first edition or astonishing stories or whatever, but it's a finite list. And yes, you have to pay attention to when it happens and things like that. But at the same time, it's manageable. That's the whole thing. It is manageable. And if I don't want to use it, I won't use it. I'll go back to my regular initiative, combat initiative, where it's like everybody roll for initiative, my side will roll, you guys roll separately. And then it will just go 1 to 10. But this is more like, okay, each side rolls, and then they go through the, the uh, you know, melee, missile, magic movement. And the other side goes through the other thing. I think. I'm not quite sure. It's a very, it's a very good, by the way, it's a very good uh, video. But there are so many things on there to do. And one thing I like about a finite list is you don't have to remember them all. You know, every scene, seems like in 5th edition, everything, every class has its own little chunk of things to remember. Plus, there's general, like, combat maneuvers and other maneuvers. On top of that, I watch the players do this. Yes, it's all, okay, fine, it's written down on the sheet. But as I, we discovered with Weapon Mastery in Rule Cyclopedia, that isn't always a good thing, because I never had enough room to write everything I could do with my weapon. And in that case, you did. And it's the same thing with 5th edition. I mean, you got to, you know, you should list it under special abilities and stuff like that. But it's also, it's almost like being, playing Martian Manhunter in like the DC game. Because that guy forgets he can do stuff. Because he's got so many things he can do. 
he forgets he can do stuff. So it, it comes it comes to that point with me. And I like a finite list that way. Yes, there may be 15 things on it, but there's just 15 things on it, not 15 over here plus 10 on general plus my class abilities plus this. And, you know, if I was GMing 5th edition, I would feel the same way because I got to remember all this crap for not just one character, for a whole bunch of NPCs plus monsters who have their own special things. And I'm not poo-pooing special abilities because monsters do that, but it's like uh, legendary actions. Come on, you know, please. I'm I've got enough on my plate, and I have to deal with this if they do that, and they can do that only three times a day. And this thing, you know, I can handle anything like basic or first edition. But when it starts getting real complicated like that, this is one reason why I never used a beholder in a game. Because even at lower editions, at like first edition or something like that, the beholder's got these eye stocks and each one does something different. And oh my goodness, that's hard to remember. Or at least, you know, I don't like to have to keep going back to the book. So anyway, that's why I, that's why I prefer something that either you don't have any skills and stuff like that, and you and you have a let me let me take that back. What I'm saying is, I want you to have maneuvers and special abilities. It's just it, it gets to be too much after a while. It's something I really don't want to keep track of, and so I don't. And so, and of course, you know, you can always say the player needs to keep track of this, but you know what? As a game master, you're responsible for that kind of stuff. In other words, do you trust your players? You should. They should trust you. You should trust them. But there are a lot of GMs out there who don't trust their players, so they have to constantly monitor them that way. You know, are you using this the right way? Are you taking advantage of this? I had a roommate who want, were playing second edition. He wanted to be psionics. I told him, look, look, I hate, I don't like psionics, but if you want to play a psionicist, I'm going to expect you to keep track of it. I will look at the psionics rules. I will look at them, see if I can get a basic understanding. But if at any time I think that you're abusing the rules, I'm going to call you on it. We're going to do an audit, or I'm going to audit you right there. And if you aren't, I'm going to take it away from you. I am. And he understood that. I mean, you're going to be making a new character then. <laughs> he understood that. So that's how I work it, because you got to give the players some work too. I mean, if they want to play this thing so bad, they're the ones who try to keep track of it. But at the same time, you have to have a working knowledge of it. That's the problem. You have to have something of a working knowledge of it, even if you don't agree with it, just to keep them honest, just to make sure they're doing it the right way. I know this sounds kind of anal, but, <laughs> you know, it's part of the job for me. So I've said my piece, so I'm going to start my day. So if you want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognar at gmail.com, or if you're on, on Anchor, drop me a voicemail. Thanks again. To people who help support me, you could, you too can too. Toucan. Toucan Sam. No. 
you can, it, we're, because we're monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. And I would thank you. Like I'm going to thank these people. Jonathan, Oliver, Gilbert, Juan Carlos, Daniel, Dan, Benjamin, Jason, and John Allen. Thanks, guys. Don't forget Dan Gregg's Young Y-U-N-G Grognard podcast. Mark C. Wallring's The Yawning Albert podcast. Big John Allen Larges The Red Dice Diaries. And... Eric Tinker's Tavern Chat. So until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Questions? Comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. We'll see you next time when Radio Grognard is on the air. Mm-hmm.